0: You're listening to The Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet.
1: Hi. how you. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, looking at right in the heart of Rosewood, this is The Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today. That we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local bar can be found on, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. Sometimes I just forget. Uh, anywhere you get your good and your bad podcast. If you want to follow us on uh, Facebook, Local Bar Media, and you can shoot us messages there. Is the best place to contact the show. Happy New Year. Happy New You. Happy New Me. Happy New Us. Whatever. All that stuff. It's been a few days. Everybody's gotten through the holidays. I hate that. you ever see that when people like do anything, it's a, or you, you see it around the holidays a lot, and it, they spell days d a z e. Oh, like it's just the days and it's a blur. I hate that. It's a it's like a marketing trend that will never die. Ah, school days. I hate that. Anyway, hope you got through the holidays. Um it's uh it's, it's that it is that weird thing. It's like a like I talked about it on the last show that weird week. <laughs> and I'm, you know I've always wondered why Mardi Gras was later in the year, like in not later in the year, but later than the holidays, like in February and March, and you know you have lent and all that kind of stuff. But I you know I always wondered as a kid well when I, when I learned what Mardi Gras was, why it wasn't that week after Christmas. Because you know, you always hear that Santa's watching you all year, and then he comes on the twenty fifth. You get all your stuff. You find out if you're naughty or nice. But between the twenty fifth and the first, he's probably taking a break. Why not Mardi Gras it then for a whole week? Throw it, throw it all out there. Do whatever you want. Go crazy New Year's Eve, and the New Year's Day starts with a hangover and regret, but you didn't get caught. I never understood why we didn't look at it that way. Instead, it's a weird week where half of us are working, the other half aren't, And but the only reason we're taking it off is because we can't carry over our vacation, so it's not like anybody's doing anything cool. The weather sucks. I don't know why we just don't Mardi Gras it that week. I mean, we should do that. That's exactly what we should be doing. Hope everything's going well with you. Hope you've kicked off the new year, and uh, and are enjoying it. I don't, you know, again, not a big resolution guy, but I hope you are finding your uh, your way through your resolutions. You haven't already uh, shot them in the face, and you're still following them and, and all that jazz. A uh, couple of things. Um, Actually, actually, no. Uh, actually, I don't have anything on the list. I think everybody's uh, still trying to gear up. Oh, I do want to say a couple of things. I want to say thank you to the folks that went uh, to the comedy show uh, that that uh, Allie Johns did for Colafs. Uh, if you uh, have not listened to that interview, please go back and check it out. She she put on one heck of a show. Some great comedians showed up at that at that at that. And that comedy gig at the plant shop. And by the way, by the way, if you're in Columbia, the next time they do a uh, a, a comedy show there, you need to go. Couple of reasons. Number one, the acts were fantastic. They they were great. weren't It wasn't all guys. There were there were a couple of uh, of ladies uh, speckled in there, but all of the acts were really really good. A couple of them were spectacular. Yeah, I I got to get one of these guys on the show. It, they, they were they were great. Second, cheapest beer prices I've I've had in a while, and I'm talking craft beers. They were great, and not just all IPAs. The pumpkin spice lattes for guys, they they were they were excellent. It was uh, I I couldn't believe my my buddy Ace and I uh, and his wife Jamie went, and Ace and I were talking the next day, and he's like, "Did you pick up my beers?" I was like, "No," I thought you picked up some of mine. And it's like that's all we spent, and and we drank. There was no joke about it. And we threw them back. So um if you ever get a chance to go, uh check out check out Colaff's, uh C-O-L-A-U-G-H-S over on the Instagram is the uh, and the Facebooks. It's probably uh, Instagram's probably the best way to keep up with them. But what uh, it was an absolute delight. And I, I really enjoyed going and appreciate Allie for doing that. there was also we were kind of promoing our friend Jen Snyder and Topher Riddle's uh New Year's Eve thing. They had we're not used to cold weather here, so tons of pipes were bursting. The 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 place they were supposed to have it, it they they had a burst pipe and they couldn't have it there. So at the last second, uh, they had to to change. I tried to put a couple of things out on social media. I hope it helped. I haven't followed up with anyone to see how how it went, but I I would I would assume it went really well. But um, you know we've been talking a lot about comedy in this area. Now, for a couple of weeks. And I, I just want to thank y'all for the folks that did go out. Allie's, uh, Allie's show did sell out. <clears throat> Excuse me. It did sell out. It was wonderful. It was great to see. I think they're a little bit overpacked. And so, um, thank you for that. And also, by the way, some of her money that she raised from that went to help Camp Cole which if you follow us on Facebook and hear us promoting the stuff that my daughters do, uh, one of them, Bryn, uh, raises money for Camp Cole every year. It's, it's something that's uh, near and dear to our family's heart. I did not realize that. If she, if she said it on the show, I missed it. Uh, so thank you for, for those of you that went out and supported that. That was great. Um, it is or was Dandy Don Merkel's birthday. Yesterday, uh, the uh, you know him from all of his musical stylings, and is a singer songwriter out of Charleston, South Carolina. he Has got tons of albums out. We've been uh, we've had him on the show plenty of times. <clears throat> you know him best though as the in house musician here at uh, at local bar. Um, he's the guy that does all the bumper music for us and uh we love promoting the stuff that he does but he did if you do know don merkel please go wish him a happy birthday belated it was his 72nd birthday yesterday and uh and uh, we we just we, we love all that he does and we hope that he has at least a couple more years of, of putting music out um but it was also somebody else's birthday yesterday and i want to talk about that and uh, a couple other things i've been thinking about here at the beginning of
0: I want to go to Alaska get away from it all I want to go to Alaska where the trees grow tall Cause when I get to Alaska I buy a pickup truck While I'm there in Alaska I try and press my luck When I get to Alaska I meet a local girl We'll find ourselves in Alaska At least we'll give it a whirl I'll make my bones in Alaska Until it swallows me whole I'll leave my bones in Alaska And watch the world grow cold Hail, hail Alaska Carry me far away Hail, hail Alaska Give me one more day Hail, hail Alaska Bury me in the snow, hail, hail, Alaska! Fall down as I can go. When to get to Alaska, I find an old sled dog.
1: For um <clears throat> risk of uh, copying myself or repeating myself, I will tell you a, a story that that still amazes me to this day. My grandfather was a was a cool guy. He was uh, he was pretty tough. He was a. He, he was funny though. He was kind of a jerk. He um he was my step grandfather, <clears throat> and I I I he, he and my grandmother got married. I think when I was twelve, but he was always around. My grandmother had been divorced for decades, and uh, she started dating and seeing this guy. His name was Bud, <clears throat> and Bud was hilarious. He uh he was a smart dude. He uh he had um. He was the army Corps of engineers and he had, uh, he, there's a patent. He still has a patent in the, in, in the patent office. And I think most school buses today still have, uh, what, what he patented on them. It was a, uh, it was something that, it, to help control emissions or help them become more efficient. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. Something I should, I should probably know that, <clears throat> but, uh, he was a, he was a cool guy, he was a very smart guy, and he was always tinkering with stuff. He uh tons of he, he had tried to make. So if you know anything about pecans or pecans depending on where you're from, they're, whatever, they're called pecans. Um they are they come from a very hard-shelled nut. And if you don't crack them right, they just become a mess. And so he he was constantly working on making the world's best pecan sheller cuz he had tons of pecan trees. And uh you go into his, he had he owned a gas station that also was a service station w- w- on like one of the back roads to Myrtle Beach. And uh it's a little country town and you go in there and you have this shelf of all these things that look like pliers that have been modded. And it was just him trying to figure out a way. He had like this roller system that didn't work. He did use that for shelling peas. Any of you that that have some country in you that have ever had to put, pick or shell peas, he had this really cool thing where you would just kind of push him through this roller. It was it was really neat. But he was he was always tinkering and, and, and working on stuff. He was just he was just one of those kinds of guys. Um but uh he was he was also very, uh, he was uh, he was his own dude. Uh, he had, uh, we had built this, he had this farm, he had this farmland, and we had built uh, a couple of ponds on there. He had this idea. one of the businesses he wanted to get into was stocking people's fish ponds. So what that means is he would have uh, ponds that just had tons and tons of like brim and bass in them uh and then one that was a catfish canal. So we're talking four different huge ponds on this farmland. And um he uh you know when the when the fish are babies, people would come and buy them by the hundreds and then they could take them and stock their own fish ponds with them. So hey I've dug a pond now I need some fish because see Bud triggers, There you go. And Bud was hilarious. He uh he was always really funny but he hated people messing with this stuff. And in the little town that he lived in, Scranton, South Carolina, yes, it is a place. It's about the size of your thumb. He, uh, <laughs> there's a guy one time that came that, that went out on on the property and was fishing, and Bud didn't give him license to fish. Now, is the dude going to pull all the fish out the pond? No, but, I mean, Bud didn't give him permission to trespass on his property. And go out there and 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 but he would get so mad. Go, that man's out there stealing my fish. He's like, he's not, he's not, not stealing your fish. He's, he's. But okay, okay, maybe he is. But it's not gonna, it's not gonna. It is, it is a, it is a thimble of water in the ocean. Come on, man. But he was not having it, and I, I'm sure he had something against this guy for some other reason. So I'll never forget we got back there one day. We're going back there to do some work. And uh Bud looked and saw that guy's car and he he said something <laughs> that I knew for sure he was bad. He got out there, and this is back in the day when we had gun racks in, in the backs of of cars. And you know, Bud had like a rifle and a shotgun just in his in, in the back window of his truck. It's it's hard for some people to believe. Just Google gun rack. You'll you you'd be surprised at what the eighties and nineties were. So we get we get back there and Bud gets out the truck and just this he and this guy just start jawing and Bud just gets out loading that gun while he's talking to him. And the guy looks at him like, what are you going to do? you gonna shoot me. And he's like, no, I'm not going to shoot you and turn around and blew out both of the guys front tires. I mean, the guys just yelling and screaming and Bud is like, well, I'll teach you. I mean, just, get, just getting on to him, And then he was, uh, then he told the guy that he had 10 minutes to get off his property. He's like, I can't, you've, you shot my tires. He's like, well, you better drive on, drive on the rims. It was hilarious. So the guy, the guy, uh, got a billboard and put it up in like a, uh, on like a telephone pole. Heading out to like Bud's farm and all it said is and really big letters on some plywood. It wasn't a billboard, it's just plywood. It, the, the, guy, the guy got somehow, I don't know if he rented a cherry picker from somebody, but he got he got up there and uh had it. I don't know if it was on a telephone pole or just in a big tree. I can't remember. But it was just in uh, it read it red letters on a uh on a piece of plywood and it just said Bud Driggers is an asshole. <laughs> he had it up there. And I remember when we drove by and I saw it and I was young. I was like probably like nine or 10 riding shotgun in his uh, truck as I always did. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I thought it was the end of the world. And I looked right at him and he just smiled and just smirked and kept going. The cops made the guy come and take it down uh, because that little community wasn't going to have that kind of vocabulary up in there. But uh, it was funny that and that's that's who he was. An old guy that was always tinkering, that was telling people what for, and uh, living his life. But he he took care of people, too. And uh, somebody needed a job, Bud probably had one for him. He wasn't going to give you a handout, but he certainly believed if you, if you did some work, then you got paid for it. And if he had some work to get done, and you wanted to do some work, okay, I'll give you a shot. And he he had like a motley crew around him all the time, but it was just because he believed in giving people a shot. Now, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. This is a man that blew the tires out of a guy trespassing on his property. You weren't going to get a second chance, or maybe you would, but you weren't getting a third. He was pretty hard nosed when it came to that. So he was he was really he was really kind of an amazing guy. He he lived on. He he understood both sides of things. People need stuff, but people need to learn how to get it themselves. The old, uh, uh, ana- um, uh, the old saying of uh, uh, teach a man, uh, give a man a fish eat for the day. Teach a man to fish, he'll he'll live forever. But but embodied that. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever met anybody else in my life that embodied that more. The risk of repeating myself, I'm going I'm going to tell you a story though that I didn't know. Until later in Bud's life. I didn't know that he spent so much time teaching Sunday school. For, for, for decades he taught Sunday school. Which was weird because this was the man that insisted we go to church. But insisted we not bother him while he slept in the back row. He was always, always falling asleep during church. Unless that one year they got the preacher that walked from beyond the podium. And Bud was not having it. That was a no-no. You don't walk out into the aisles and talk to me. Oh, he he and that church were not having that. That guy has one of the biggest churches in Columbia <laughs> today. If, if, if any of y'all know Jody up there in Chapin, he can tell you some funny stories about my grandparents. Um, But I didn't know. I didn't know uh, until later in my life, because I never saw him do it, that, that Bud spent a lot of time teaching Sunday school. And he always insisted on us going to church. It was just a thing. Got to be there. Which was odd. Because Bud wasn't the kind of guy that cared what people thought. Hence the Bud Driggers is an asshole thing. He didn't care what the society of, of Scranton thought. Now, he did know that was important for my grandmother. So all the grandchildren... We're gonna be at church on Sunday. We're all gonna look nice. We're all gonna to go to Sunday school. We're all gonna participate in children's church. If we were of that age, yeah, we, we had to do all the things, you know, the things that you do. And that. If you grew up in the South, you know what I'm talking about. But this man would sleep. <laughs> he would sleep during church. Bud was uh Bud was a World War II veteran. And I've bragged about him before. I, one of the coolest things that I have is I have the declassified documents of his group. It's phenomenal. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever sat and read the, the stories of what that army Corps of engineers did, um, is it would, would absolutely floor you. If I sat on here and read it out, um, Bud Bud kept up with his guys, the ones that made it back. They would get together every year somewhere. Between Texas, uh Myrtle Beach a couple of times, Florida a few times. They all seemed to kind of gather in the southeast, uh, to to Midwest, but they uh they 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 loved each other. And they they understood what they went through together and the ones that were lucky enough to come back. That was the thing Bud always used to tell me. The, the most amazing thing about the war is he got to do two of the most amazing things in his life. He got to go over there, and experience all that, and then he got to come back, and and those are the two most amazing things in his life. Um, but I remember, I, I remember a story that he told me, and and I've I've got the documents for it. I can tell you that it's true. If you're a fan of Band of Brothers, I'll tell you it's it you you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. But in his group landed in uh D, in in Normandy. And then they went, um, from there they went, I can't remember where they went, but they ended up coming up to Baston. All right. So if you've watched band of brothers, there's that whole, or if you have it, there's a whole episode, uh, called the, I, I think the bastards of Baston. It, it really kind of covered the whole thing in Baston covers two areas. If you know anything about world war two, that was a major, major turning point in the war. Uh, Bud's group, Army Corps of Engineers had gone in first. If you've watched the show, there's this thing where Jimmy Fallon, his one little part in it is in a Jeep and he's leading a group of guys out and they're giving weapons to the, the, to the, the main characters to easy company. That was Bud's group. And they they I have the documents that showed that they did that. They went into Baston first. They tried to dig foxholes. They couldn't. The ground was too dang cold. They were getting absolutely decimated. And they turned around and they had told them, forget it. We can't do what we want to do with those bridges. You guys gotta get out. And they sent Easy Company in. And the story from there is even more fantastic. But something happened to Bud in, in Baston. And it was is one of the it's one of the most amazing stories I have ever heard. He was out there he was in the middle of a, of a field and he and a guy were surveying something. It didn't seem like any enemies were around or anything like that. And they had started digging in but they couldn't they couldn't really dig in. So they had like a couple of foxholes but they were more like a a fox hill they were, there was hardly a hole at all. And uh they were out there and they're in the middle and if I get the story straight they're in the they in, in my mind I can't remember but they're like in the middle of a field, right? And um suddenly, uh, firing started and it started from behind them first, which was their group. So for a second, they thought they were, uh, someone was coming up from behind their group, their, their, their platoon where they were, but then suddenly on the other side of them, firing started. Now, what Bud told me, Was that it seemed to come from two different sides. And it was really weird. And he and his buddy were suddenly. um, Suddenly they thought that there were three different groups coming in. At like kind of like a Y shape. And suddenly they couldn't figure out where the, uh, the firing was coming from. It was the weather was awful. The snow was coming down like rain. And, um, it was just blurry and now smoky and then shelling started. And he said, it was amazing because you could see where trees had been, uh, kind of hit before, but now they were just exploding. So something big was firing at them and our guys were firing something back. And he looked over at his, his buddy that was beside him and he was dead. And he realized he did not know where he was. In the confusion, and in the way that the foxhole hadn't been dug, in the snow, and the way that the light was, and with the way that you couldn't tell where firing was actually coming from, he was now in the scariest place he could ever be, alone, in the middle of firing, and no idea where he was. I, I don't know you know you go watch the replay if you could i don't know exactly how it happened but from what bud told me happened and i can only take his word for it i mean he probably did a couple of things in that in that little fox pit before he made his decision one of them was probably pee his pants um and he, he never told this story. And please understand this. He never told this story as a way of like, here's how heroic I am. He only told this story in the, look, I'm going to tell you, I was scared out of my mind, but he knew, he knew one thing to be, to be certain. If he laid there, he was probably a uh, 95% chance he was going to die. There was no way. That something that was being tossed around, shot, uh, stray bullet, whatever. He wasn't deep enough in the ground. He couldn't hide. He was dead. His buddy beside him already was. I I don't know what killed him. I don't know how it got him. But something did. So he didn't know what to do. So he realized, too, that he was in a war. And the reason you're in a war is to win it. That's it. Your job, especially when you're... Army of Corps of Engineers, and you find yourself on the front quite a bit, uh, it's, it's just to win when you're in a situation. But he didn't know which way winning was. Do I go back to my platoon and and join them and we win it together? Do I go after the enemy knowing for sure I'm going to die, but I'm going to die sitting here anyway, so maybe I get a couple of them and it helps my group out. And then he realized the worst of the situation. I don't know which way to run. I have no idea which way to go. He says that he prayed. I think it wasn't that. I think it was more of he made a deal with God. And the way he tells it is it was like a look. I only got a second here. (laughs) If you get me through this, I'll understand that I was supposed to get through this. And I will never doubt my place in your kingdom ever again. It- for a guy that is not big on predestination, I think that's a, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's not something I believe in. I don't believe, you know, my friends that are Presbyterian that have tried to talk me in, I've read their books. I hear the whole thing about predestination. If you don't know what that is, if you're not a church going guy, uh, person, uh, I'll tell you real quick, uh, predestination is basically God's got a script. You're living it out. That's what it is. I don't buy that because even my friends that fully say they're completely invested in predestination, they still look both ways before they cross the street. Okay. I I just, I I don't think that's a concept. I think it is a, I think it's a security blanket. We look for no offense to Presbyterians. It's just, I don't buy it. And I've seen too many things that I don't get that. I'm not saying for my, 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 my my deep rooted Christians that God doesn't have a plan. I'm not saying that I'm just saying, I don't think there's a part and there's an act we play. And and we'll get to that here in a second. Why? But Bud was saying something different. And I I get that. It was that I'm in an impossible situation. Apparently there's something else I'm supposed to do. I don't know exactly what that is. And if you get me out of this, the one thing I'm not going to do, I may question, I may wonder, but I will never doubt. Again, He picked up his gun and started running. He had made his decision. He was going to run towards the Germans. He was going to do whatever he could do. Had his gun uh, locked and loaded, and he was sprinting as as fast as a young 19-year-old Vernon Driggers from Scranton, South Carolina, could, could go. Right when he hit the line and it was clear, he looked and saw a gun pointed at him and somehow I don't, you know, he doesn't know either. He can't remember. Did his gun jam? Cause which happened a lot, especially in that kind of weather, uh, did the other guy's gun jam? Uh, because as soon as both of them saw each other, they, they probably should have fired, but it was a good thing that neither one of them did because he had mistakenly run back to his, his side. And, um, he got down. They were able to survive that that fight. And they got out of there, I think, a little while later after, after a ceasefire. Um, the rest of his days, there's something funny I can tell you about, bud. I never saw him have a single doubt in his life. He was the most sure man of anything that he did. He completely understood and was sure of everything that he did. It didn't mean that he was sure that this, this pecan sheller that he was going to work on this time was going to be the one. It wasn't that he realized that he'd come up with some other big contraption that was going to be the thing. He understood that, that life was a process and him making this version was just the next in, in a line of things that, that until he got to where he felt successful, he was going to be, and he was going to live. It wasn't about perfection every day. It was just understanding that life was a process. I had a cousin, and a cousin Carl. And I've talked about Carl on this show before too. Carl was a really cool guy. He was uh he was uh incredible golfer. Great golfer. And uh, just very funny. Had a lot of life to him. He, uh, he went to Wofford college, which is a pretty prestigious college. My dad was on the board at Wofford. My dad's not why he got in. He was smart. He was smart guy. Um, he, uh, he was liked by almost everyone that knew him. He, uh, he was a funny dude. He was a big dude. Carl was big. You know, he was a few bills, you know? Uh, It was hilarious, though. He uh, one time, I think his freshman year at Walford for Halloween, dressed up as Peter Griffith from Family Guy and looked just like if I can find a picture of it, I'll I'll put it up. Uh, He was huge and his nickname was Tiny and uh, he fit that bill. I can't talk. I can't talk about Carl without smiling, like ear to ear smiling. He was always nice. He cared. He was a very caring. soul. it's, it's one of the things I, I look at and I'm amazed sometimes at my daughter, Brynn, who people will talk about all the time, how kind she is. I hate it for her little sister. Cause she's got a lot of that in her too, but the taller, older one seems to get all the accolades, but Bryn has always had that ever since she was extremely little. The, the first thing you would think of is that she was kind. I don't know where that runs in my bloodline, especially if a lot of us jerks on that side, but, um, but he was Carl was that way, he was just inherently kind. I'm speaking him, speaking of him in past tense because he's he sadly was taken away, uh, way too way too young. I think it was, gosh, it's more than ten years now. I was, um, I remember I was sitting in a restaurant here in Columbia, and I got a call from my dad that he had. Something had happened. See, Carl was born with like a heart issue. It's, 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 it's kind of common. It's where you kind of like have a hole kind of in your heart. But it, Carl's had never really, it had never really um, come back to him. It had never really healed all the way like it was supposed to. And yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It, it, him, him him being over three bills didn't, didn't help. He was at Walford. And um, he was at school and I think he he liked to coach uh, or, or help. The, he was like assistant for the lacrosse team. I can't remember exactly what he was, but he was uh, he's, he was he was there helping them out. And and I think had like a, some basically a heart attack on, on the field. And he got to the hospital and he could still communicate with the family for a little while. And then, and then he passed. And I, I think he was like 20. I don't think he was 21 yet. Made no sense to me. That that erases the predestination thing for me. That, that's one of them. That's one, And I know it's anecdotal, but it's one of a million reasons I can give to you. I hated that. I hated when that happened. Not only because I lost my cousin, but because I really felt like the world lost somebody. Like the world did. Everybody that he came in contact with, they loved him. He made people's lives better, happier. There was an incident with all of his fraternity brothers. It was even talked about at his funeral. That's how iconic this was, where a guy one day was being way too rude to Carl. And the way Carl handled it was one that they were all still envious of, that somebody that age in that situation, that level of embarrassment could still turn the other cheek. Still to this day is talked about amongst his friends as an iconic moment for all of them, not just Carl, but for all of them. Everything that he did. Seemed to touch someone. His dad, the most it was, uh, I, I was always amazed at how my uncle Wiley, um, handled that. Uncle Wiley uh, did something he 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 made a promise or maybe another deal with the guy upstairs and it was that he was going to do something every day to make sure that if heaven existed he was going to be able to see his son again and I'm going to tell you uh he did that My uncle Wally passed away sadly uh, from covid last year um it's very sad uh, he was only 65 years old uh, but uh I, I I can tell you to a man, he he did that and the people that Wally touched because of the way that Carl touched him just grew that exponentially a year uh a year ago today um we had the funeral service for my uh, another cousin of mine, Paige. I'm the second oldest in all of these uh, cousins, so it's sad when you see the ones that are so much younger than you. She was 32, mom of two uh, two girls, uh, and full, full <laughs> man, full of life. Now, let me tell you something about Paige. Let me tell you. I love Paige to death because she, uh, she was a lot like Bud and she was a lot like me. Paige was no angel, okay? Paige Paige was not. She lived life pretty fast. But man, she loved people. If you were a friend of hers, you knew it. That was never a question. I I, I put something on Facebook uh, a year ago afterwards, after her funeral. And it's the two things that, that that kept me comforted and still keep me comforted to this day over her passing. It was this. We we both loved each other very much. And we both knew it. We did. We both knew it. There's no question. There was no, oh, I wish I had said this. No, no, we, we both knew that. This the uh, Probably the only death that I know, except for my grandfather's on my dad's side because of a conversation we had at the end. But Paige and I didn't get to have that. We, we had a phone call a few days before she died. But um, not like the conversation I have with my grandfather at the end of his life, but it was, uh, Paige, Paige and I just both knew it and, and we knew it every day. We knew it every day. She was always, uh, there to make people happy. She was funny. She was hilarious. Um, she was uh, more of a comedian than she understood. Great sense of humor about her. Great sense of timing. She, she probably could have done stand up. She was, but she was just all over the place, man bright just a lightning bolt and then her her death came as a shock to everyone especially her youngest who i believe was under 3 at the time going to a funeral hearing two girls cry out for their mom is uh you you won't forget that one and again a, a, a knock against my predestination folks but i'm not here just to make fun of presbyterians today I'm telling you these stories for a reason. It's the beginning of the year and a lot of you have resolutions. Some of you don't. But I can tell you what I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, most everyone listening to this show has. You have doubt. Or you haven't tried yet. Or, I'll just flat out say it. No reason to try to be nice. You're just scared. There's a project, a thing, a person you've wanted to connect with. There's something. There's something out there that, that you don't want to do. Or you maybe have stopped doing because the, the, the results, the perfection, the place you wanted to hit didn't come fast enough. Hadn't gotten there yet. Wasn't part of your time frame. There's, there's things that I think those of us that aren't as successful as we want to be for, forget. When you look at successful people, there's a couple of things that you, you have forgotten about with them. And number one, and, and first and foremost, and this is very important is the failures I've come to learn that failure is not really failure. The way we, we see that word and read it and what we connotate that with in our head is actually um, a disservice we do to ourselves. It's failure's not Failure's not stoppage. Failure is simply just part of the process. We have absolutely screwed up people's ideas of how to progress forward through a a hypothesis because of what we've done through COVID. The whole phrase of follow the science, trust the science, the science is settled. That was the dumbest thing we could have ever done. First of all. Science has never settled. It's never settled. Never. There has never been a time that science, I mean, yeah, sun's hot. We got that one. But science has never settled because science is constantly changing. You remember that? All of a sudden when people were talking about COVID, well, the science changed. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't have said it settled, you moron. They quit. That was just and look. Here's the thing. That was just people. And I, by the way, for those of you that are Joe Rogan fans, I do agree with what he said the other day. Just forgive people and move on. But for those of you that were trying to shove stuff down people's throats, look, you didn't know what you're talking about. There's science is just never settled. It's okay. Just learn your lesson and move forward. And that was the thing. That was the thing that was so bad about that is we kept telling people that there were absolutes. There aren't absolutes. We don't have them. Our world and our lives is nothing but variables. That's all it is. You're not going to come across concrete absolutes. You're just not. And you have to be okay with that. And in understanding that point, you'll understand that a failure or a setback or what seems like the end doesn't have to be. It can just be part of the process. The third pecan sheller Bud created was the third and probably 50 that I even saw. You, you don't stop after after three. Second, we, we, the other thing that we do um, I, that I think is really wrong is we forget the way this could impact our life. When I went through my divorce, I, I remember somebody sent me something and it it talked about how, yeah, Hey, listen, divorce sucks. It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible decision to have to come to when you get there. I understand that you have been through a lot and you have tried and you've realized it's not going to go anywhere and you're at a point in your life to where you realize it's either going to be positive and you're going to find your own way, or you're going to live in this life that you can't. You, you just don't like. But the thing about it is, is that that path you're going to go on is not going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's going to be hard. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be sad. You're going to feel like you've screwed your life up because you got a two-year-old kid, but I'm going to tell you this. Don't ever forget. I will never forget this. Don't ever forget that the next day could quite possibly be the best day of your life and you better let it happen if it's there. We don't want to try things because we're worried about failure. We we don't set those resolutions because we're worried about them just going away. It's the reason why I don't like New Year's resolutions. People just already feel that. You already feel you're going to break it. We're afraid that we're going to set a commitment to ourselves deep down in our soul, and, and it doesn't work out, and we're going to be upset about that. And we forget that that next step could be the one. That's the thing. Successful people. I see it with all of them. They'll talk about their failures and they'll talk about how, man, after one of my worst failures came the breakthrough, came the biggest success. And here's the thing. That success wasn't the end either. It was just the next step. There's always a step. We forget that. We, we We forget that this could be. The best thing. The other thing that we do with that is kind of in the same sight line. Um, We look back at how far or we look forward to how how far we've got to go instead of looking back every now and then and see how far we've come and see that that in and of itself is a success, that the peaks and valleys, the highs and lows, the successes and failures all show us we're moving in a direction and we're coming across something. And sometimes, hey, listen, sometimes you walk on a flat plane for a long time. Sometimes stocks trade sideways. They don't always go up and down. Stuff like that can happen, but it doesn't mean that you stop and it doesn't mean that it's over. But the third thing, and, and and if there's anything you hear from me today, I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter if you're doing comedy, if you're doing music, if you're doing something for a school uh, that you're where you're a teacher, if you're a preacher, if you're a civil servant somewhere, if you work in accounting, don't ever. Ever, if there's anything that the three people I've talked about today taught me, don't ever forget the impact you may make on other people's lives. Yeah, I'm not big on the predestination thing. I'm not saying I buy it. I don't really care to get into it. But there's something beautiful about it, and it's a very George Bailey kind of thing, and it's that we do play a role, and it's important that you play your part. Now, whether that's predetermined before you ever became a, a twinkle in your mom's eye, um, I think that what's important is, is that you have to understand that you trying can, can do a million things for a million different people. People watching you go through your creative process, you being open about it, you putting out a bad album, then putting out a good one. You trying some painting that didn't work and then selling a a brilliant one. You writing, you working on a project at work, three of them have failed, but your next one's fantastic. That Perseverance is something we need to see more of. People need to try a little bit more. People need to forget that that really life is worth living, and living means doing it the way that you've wanted to. You need to go out there and try to do the things that you do. And here's the thing if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you got a cool story out of it. And that story may be pushing you towards something else maybe you find your place somewhere i got into an argument with my ex-wife one time um when i was young and we were we were having a discussion about something somewhere i can't remember where we were it's all blurry to me now but um it was one of those times i wasn't I really wasn't happy with her it's just a dumb conversation and she'd asked me sometime about um what 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 was the thing in my life that i was the most worried about and i told her is that like, i'm worried that I, I won't find my place in this world and she like kind of chastised me for that uh, i'll tell you looking back on it and that was like 20 years ago looking back on it she still is wrong today as she was wrong then i think too many times we we live our lives and people don't realize the place they have in the world. And I don't mean, that doesn't mean you're a celebrity. That doesn't mean that that the whole world knows who you are, that you've made your mark on the world. What it means is that you've lived your life to where you were supposed to, whether it's being a a great father, a great husband, a great wife, a great teacher, whatever that is, that some people just don't ever realize that. And it's not so much that they don't accomplish it, it's that they don't realize it. They never feel it. And as a guy that worked in hospice for so many years, it's common. People sitting around telling people how much they meant to them. And once the company goes away, they're like, ah, they're just saying it because I'm dying. (laughs) It's like, no, no, they really mean it. I mean, sometimes some people come in and lie, sure. But those liars are just going to be at your funeral. They're not going to come talk to you face to face. Man, come on. No. They're only saying it because I'm dying. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. We should realize, not on our deathbed, but on our way there, that we're we're doing the thing that we're supposed to do. We found our place in this great play that we're all trying to play a part in. But what's sad, I think, is that so many people have it in, in their heart, they have something bigger in their heart, and they're afraid to go to go after it. So why am I telling you this? because I want you to hear this part of the message. My grandfather was a gas station owner in Scranton, South Carolina. My cousin was from Bishopville, South Carolina who went to Spartanburg, South Carolina, and that's it. My other cousin, while she did go to Japan because her husband was in the army, basically lived on an army base in Japan and Scranton, South Carolina and for a small period of time in Arizona. The three of them have influenced Thousands. I, I'm not making that up. I know it. Thousands. You don't. You don't have to have the biggest stage. You want to make a difference. You want to feel like you matter. That you mean something. That you've you've done something. All it takes is one person to take that and carry it on somewhere else. But just like George Bailey, if you aren't there, if you aren't there to do it, then your part. Gets missed. One of the one of the philosophies that in our wokeness these days we've forgotten, and I, I I do stand against this. I think people talk all the time about culture. What is culture? Well, you're appropriating this culture. This isn't really American culture. And and I, and it's so funny to hear people say that because they think of time in this linear way, and and, and they're very short sighted in it. Well, America's got no culture because they're so young. All these other places have culture. Do you know how many shades of whatever that went through before it came here? You're only looking at the last version of it. Take me to Europe. Take me to Africa. Take me to South America. I'll show you how all that stuff's changed over centuries. Didn't look the same way as it did before. So lighten up on that crap. And one of the things that I hate, though, one of the things I hate is we've gotten over this whole melting pot thing. I think when I was in high school, they tried to start teaching us. It's a salad bowl. Everyone comes. They keep what they have, but they all live in the same bowl. No, that's not what it was. We all came from different places. We loved some of them. We hated some of them. But we came here and we made a place that was ours. It's American. What does that look like? It looks like this. Could trying to take the pieces out. Let them blend together because that blending is what created this. We have to do, we have to do genealogy tests because none of us know exactly where we're from. Why? Because we've melted into this and I am one of the ones that's on the positive side of that. I kind of dig it. I think it's kind of cool. And I think that's where the world's going to go. Honestly, I think it's where the world needs to go. We need to realize we are a family, but that's that's for another show. I think we forget that we we blend into other people's lives in one way or another, whether it's passive or or, or whether it's something that we're actively trying to do. But we don't ever reach that. We don't ever hit that. If we don't just go out and try to do our things. Look, I don't know if you need a book that tells you it's all written out for you and you got to go live your life that way. Or if you need some inspiration from somebody else to show you, yes, it can be done or no, don't worry. If you fall, it won't hurt. It will hurt, but you'll get back up and failure is part of the process. You don't have an up if you don't have a down. It's just the way it is. There are no absolutes. They're just variables. And this whole thing is always in motion even after you're not. That wheel keeps turning. What are you what are you what are you stuck at today? You're looking at the rest of this year. You're six days in. You've probably lost a couple of Uh, a couple of uh, resolutions. You screwed all that up. Fine. Who cares? So what? Where where are you today? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to pick up from this failure? What do you want to accomplish this year? How many steps does it take to get there? Go take one today. It'll do a lot for you. It could do miles for someone else. And never ever forget that it could just be the best day of your life you better let it happen if it is there's a
0: girl in texas waiting for me her eyes are blue as the salt and sea and i i saw her once on my tv and i know this sounds crazy but i believe in destiny Something about a girl in tight dirty jeans. A cowboy hat and a tattoo of James Dean. She's such a rebel. When she dances, she's like a, a sex machine. And she drives all the boys crazy. Yeah, she drives all the boys crazy. There's a girl in Texas waiting for me. Her eyes are blue as the salt and sea and I. I saw her once on my TV. And I know this sounds crazy, but I believe in destiny.
1: I do want to take a moment here, in all seriousness, and uh, wish our boy Don Merkel a very happy birthday. If you haven't heard Don, you can check him out, donmerkel.com. He's the guy that does all the music uh, here on our show and so graciously lets us uh, use his stuff. If, if If you haven't heard it, the two songs I played today actually came from uh, back-to-back episode that I did with him I think it's episodes 154 and 55 I'm not exactly you just go you can see it. it's rumor of a ghost is what it's called it's two of them back-to-back and uh they're great it's it's he and I telling stories uh talking about some stuff and him singing the songs by himself here in studio and so it is certainly worth it if you haven't checked out Don Markle please go check him out he's got Some things probably coming around the bend this year that you're going to want to get into, but uh, go check out the stuff that he's already got out there. I think you'd you'd really dig it. uh, We love it here. You hear it all the time. You know you love it, too. Well, happy new year and all that. I hope you have a great start to your new year. Go out and try that thing you've always wanted to do. And, you know, here's the last bit of advice. If you don't know exactly what you want to do, I'll do like the rest of us do. Just throw it all up against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, Talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local
0: bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. I know you better than you think you know yourself. You're not so different.